Welcome everybody to episode 101 of the Blue Ribbon Podcast. We're going to talk a little owner-operator 101. I figured I'd be cute and clever and use that 101 as an opportunity to do this. Um, you know, we had our 100th episode with Kevin, which was fun and, and you know, I, I can't believe he went that long. You know, I, well, if I'm being it, honest. And we were with him 45 minutes before we went yeah. live. I thought so we're going we're to get we're going to get thirty five forty minutes, and then he's going to be like, "All right, y'all, it's been fun, but not real fun." <laughs> and we just kept going, you know. And uh, I was I was I was really impressed, uh, but that was fun because I, I got to hear some stuff that I hadn't heard before uh, about Kevin's story, and and um, you know, just just fun to do that. So if you haven't heard that, um, go back and, and watch episode one hundred. Let me give you a little preview. Uh, next is that next Monday, mm-hmm. uh, the sixth. Yeah, that's not next Monday, is it? Yes, it is. It is December sixth. We are going to be having Carrie Baldwin on the show. Um, she has a website called Mirror Liberty M E R E Liberty dot com, and she teaches some classes on um, critical thinking, Socratic thought. And I was on a friend of mine's podcast last week. And she was on there and we were talking about learning how to learn. And she said some stuff that day that I was, I was pretty fired up about. And we have just found that people come in to an opportunity like we present here and they just don't know what to do with it. And there's a lot of learning and there's a lot of, you know, taking information that we were given over time either in formal education or through our experience that we kind of have to throw a rate <clears throat> and replace with new information. And that's difficult. So I thought we would get Carrie on here next week and let her kind of talk about that process and that method. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think you all are going to like her. If you normally just listen to the podcast and you don't watch it, you might want to watch this when she's a hell of a lot better looking than the two of us. So that is 100% accurate. <laughs> Um, so let's jump into this one-on-one thing because we have done episodes like this before, right? But I feel like the longer we do this, it's like our orientations, you know, each one we do, we get a little bit better and we, we kind of narrow things down to their most fundamental level. And, Um, so I just wanted to hit some high points and I had an experience. We've got a new, um, mentoring client, uh, that I've been working with over the last three weeks or so. And it's been a very eye opening experience because my personal experience was I walked into Landstar in 2014 and they handed me the fuel card and the login to the load board and, you know, wish me the best of luck. Right. And, um, now we have this program where we bring people in and, and give them experience to, to walk through that kind of stuff, but they're not on the line. Our, the people that come to drive for us, Larry's taking the risk. They're not taking any risk. Well, now I've got, I've got these two dispatching clients and this newest one that came to us <clears throat> with a paid for truck and some money in the bank. And he was like, just guide me. And so when he got out of orientation, I had a two hour zoom meeting with him and I wasn't expecting to melt him down, like blow his mind. But when we got done, he was like, why, why doesn't Landstar teach any of this stuff? And 
you know, of course, I had to tell him to take all the fuel, the if the fuel tax information that they gave him and make sure you throw it in the garbage and, and let's start over from zero there. But watching a brand new BCO come into this system kind of wide eyed and and, you know, what do I do next? Um, and it just gave me an experience I hadn't had before. And so <clears throat> we need to talk about, you know, we talk a lot about bookkeeping and accounting and taxes and and <clears throat> raising revenue and lowering costs. But I realized real quick with him, the first thing I started with is you need a digital filing system. You need to use Dropbox. You need to use iCloud. You need to use Google Drive, whatever's available to you. If you're on an Android, use Google Drive. If you're on an iOS, you can use iCloud or you can use Dropbox or there's probably a hundred others. But if you don't start creating the habit from day one to just file all those basic receipts, then you're ne it's never going to make it into the accounting system, you know? And, you know, so that's, that's probably number one, you know, you've got to have, uh, we use Dropbox because it's cross platform and everybody can put their stuff in one central location where we can access it. So it, it solved a very utilitarian practical problem for us, but I'm seeing now, that unless you're going to keep paper copies of everything, like the dinosaurs filing system, um, you've got to have a record of all this stuff because if it ain't wrote down, it didn't happen. And so that's just one of the things that you need to be thinking about if you're going to buy a truck and you're going to be in business and be a business owner. You have got to be able to account for everything, but you can't account for it if it's not or if it's, you know, in a giant shoebox and then, you know, and then you dump it on some poor unsuspecting CPA on April 14th, you know? So <clears throat> Larry, why don't you talk a little bit about just that, just that, that bookkeeping and accounting, we can get to revenue and reducing costs and all that stuff that keeps you in business. But if you don't have this, you're not, you're not ever going to get there. And it's something that most people put off to last. They think it's the least important thing that they have to worry about. And, and, and you don't really have to start the accounting necessarily on day one, but you have to start the record keeping. You have, to, like you said, you have to get in that habit of keeping records. And nowadays it's so easy. You know, it used to be you'd, you'd have to keep the paper copy and you have to file it and create a filing system where you could recall it and all that sort of stuff. Now you just scan it, you know, scan it and put it in Dropbox. You know, you can create categories if you want to, but the main thing is get it captured. You know, that's the main thing. And the good thing about it is it's, you'll always have it. You know, as long as you create a digital filing system, which is much easier than a literal paper filing system. Um, Somebody I mean, write that down. <laughs> he said it out loud. Um, you know, it, 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 there's, there's many, many, many times when having ex access, immediate access, quick, instantaneous, actually, to that. Mm -hmm. To that file, it has saved us, you know, uh, a lot of trouble, a lot of money. You know, it's not this, unusual. This week, this week, I had there was a question about uh, a brake job on a truck. Had the S cam bushings been replaced? And I thought, man, I I'm I'm almost certain that that was. And I went digging back through, and I finally found it. And yes, they had, you know, I had I had a record. I had the date, I had the mileage, I had everything about when that repair was done. 
And now, obviously, you're single truck owner operator. You're not trying to keep up with 11 or 12 like we are. But, um, you know, it's it's handy to be able to go. And the way I, when I put my our files in, uh, the file name is the date. So like 11.29.21 TA or Petro. I put the name, I put the date first and I put the name of the vendor, Home Depot, Walmart, Advanced Auto Parts, whatever it was. Because a lot of times I can remember, well, you know, I think I bought something in advance. Or if a warranty, I'm trying to warranty a part. Well, <clears throat> it's it's one thing to to put the file in there, but then if you can't find it six months from now, you know, so it's just those little, little details along the way that makes it so much easier to go back and find something if you're trying to prove it later. Even if you are a one truck operator and you keep your files at home and you're on a road in the truck and you have to come up with an answer to something this way, you've got it. It doesn't matter where you are. It follows you wherever you are. So yeah. no question about it. And then, you know, you're talking about maintenance records there, but you know, we also keep all of our transflow scans, you know, we keep, you know, everything. So yeah. you can have different folders in there and you'll put maintenance stuff in one and, you know, compliance stuff in another and, you know, all the stuff that you're supposed to have, you know, in your, in your permit book. And so we keep all that in a, in a digital folder as well. So, uh, you know, your permit book could fly out the window and you still mm -hmm. could produce, you know, your insurance card and your, your cab card and stuff like that. If you had to, you know, your driver's license for that matter. So yeah, uh, the more you have, the, the better it is, you know, and, but, but the trick to it is you have to be able to find it. So scan, it's one thing and then organizing it is another, but it's, it's just very, very easy. It doesn't take very long. That's the step one. We can go back and recreate the, the, the bookkeeping of the accounting, you know, uh, you know, a few weeks or so later, if, 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 you know, if so, uh, I don't, I mean, there's no reason why you can't do it from square one. We've got this brand new guy and you know, he, he's just going to start out doing everything he's supposed to do because he's got the, two of the best guys in the country working with him. So there's no reason to make him have to catch up and we can just start from the beginning. But if you've been a BCO for a long time or, you know, you haven't, you, you, you know, you're relying on somebody else to do your accounting and you don't like what they're doing or whatever, you know, you, you, you know, it, it's easy to do the accounting if you have the records. It's, it's very easy. I mean, that's all accounting is. It's just mm -hmm. records, you know, and, uh, and then, and then being able to analyze what those records are telling you. So, yeah. You know, that's that fundamental, and I'm just, I'm so anal about it. You know, when I get a receipt in my hand, I scan it immediately because I know damn well, if it makes it to my truck, it's yeah. got a 50% chance of actually getting into the folder. Yeah. And if you, if somebody hands you a receipt and what's so cool, like with iOS, and I'm sure you can do this with the other things is I can go ahead and scan it. <clears throat> And then I can edit it in the phone to add data to it. You know, I can add an odometer reading or whatever that's on that receipt. Um, and I can do it on the fly, you know, and I don't even have to carry a pen with me anymore, you know. Um, <clears throat> so that's just kind of those fundamental things that you have got to think about. Everybody thinks, well, I need a truck and I need permission to operate it. Well, you need a lot more than that, you know. Um so once we've gotten into that, then we've got to kind of get you into the mode of customer service. And uh, if you want to be entertained, go over to my TikTok and read through some of the comments. Um, <clears throat> wow. Let's, let's, back, let's back up just a little bit. Let's include email in that. 
you know. Oh yeah. You you Absolutely. need to you need to always archive. We don't ever 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 delete an email, ever. <laughs> and so that way we've always got you know you hear all these stories on, all the time on Facebook about you know not getting paid or or you know some controversy between you and an agent. Listen, if you've got the rate con, you know it's it <laughs> you've got it. You know, it, it's now customer services are going to be on your side because you can produce exact. So you should always send yourself the load board information that you booked the load with, the rate con, all the emails that go back and forth, save all of those. And all you got to do is do a simple search. It, you don't even have to organize those. Just don't ever delete an email. And uh, I would also rough separate your personal emails from your business emails. Now, 100%. Make it a lot better, too. You, you need, a, you mm -hmm. need a, an email that is specific preferably with something like with your truck number in it. You do, if you're going to be booking loads with anybody, you do not need an email address with 97 consonants. It needs to be simple uh, so that it's easy to communicate. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the thing with email too, it, I have, I have gone, uh, I have, I have been taken before customer service a couple of times now. Um, and generally I'm, I am there against an opponent that has shown up to a gunfight with a butter knife mm -hmm. because, you know, I've got every data point. I've got every piece of communication. Um, it's, it's just such a habit for us to get everything in writing. So if somebody, if somebody wants to play games, okay, bring it, you know, because I know who's going to win, you know, um, <clears throat> Well, I, I, something happened a couple weeks ago. The first time I've been at Landstar since 2012. Okay. Mm -hmm. I deal with hundreds of rate cons with 12 trucks, 11 trucks, whatever we've gotten. So on my settlement last week, there was an $1,875 deduction, which caught my attention. Yeah. <laughs> so I start looking at to it and it's a load that we delivered. Everything was just as, as normal as it could be. And this load was, was voided and all of the revenue pulled back weeks after we had done it. So, you know, the first thing we did was go to our file and pull out the transflowed POD yep. with the transflow number on it. Then I went into, into the email archive and pulled out every email back and forth between the driver and that agent. And there was not one thing that was out of line in any of that. So call Landstar. They dick around with it for two days. Um, can't figure they, they can't figure out why we, why this wasn't not, wasn't that it wasn't paid. It was paid. It was just pulled back. And, um, and they could not explain it. Finally, I had to just go to the agent and the agent couldn't explain it either, but because we can reproduce everything, all they did was create a new, a new freight bill. We sent the paperwork in with the new freight bill number on it. I got paid the next day. But now had we not been able to produce that, or if that paperwork was at home and I'm driving and I'm going to be out for two or three weeks, you know, how, how do you like being without $1,875? If that, especially if you're a one truck operation, that might wipe out your entire settlement, you know? So yeah. that, and I, and listen, it's not unusual for me to have to produce things. I would say on every other settlement, there's some type of error that, yeah. uh, that, I, you know, that I can document, and, um, and, uh, you know, win the battle to get paid. So, and these settlements are not that hard to understand. If you're not, if you are currently a BCO 
and you are not going line by line on every settlement. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say you're going to leave a few thousand dollars on the table in a year. Because listen, I mean, I, I talked to, I'm not going to say her name, but I talked to one of the managers over the BCO settlements department, land, the contractor services department, nice lady. And, and we talked and we, cause I was, I was asking said, uh, her about why is it possible that an agent can just void a load and, and just without any notification, you know, pull back a BCO's complete pay for doing their job. It would be just like you going back and taking the freight off the dock and undelivering it, you know, and not telling anybody. It would be no different than that, you know. And there was, of course, there wasn't a good answer for that, but we discussed that. And they're doing some things right now to review some of their procedures. And she was very happy to talk to me about, you know, introducing this to that discussion. And we, so we, we on a more broad topic, I kind of hinted with her, or I sort of kidded with her about it. You know, the way that Landstar handles things like that is they just take it out of the BCO's pay and wait for him to squeal. Kind of mm -hmm. like they do putting your truck on hold. So if you're not watching your settlements, you're not checking off everything. We have a spreadsheet. When we book a load, we put all the information on there. And then when I, we get, when I get the settlement, if it's one penny off, we have a conversation about it, you know? So, uh, if it's not, if we're not paid what you're expected, uh, and you don't check that, I will guarantee you're leaving money on the table. Cause I mean, I do it every week. I've done it since 2012 for multiple trucks and I find multiple, it's, it's unusual for me to get a settlement with, tw with 11 or 12 trucks. It isn't there. There's not a mistake on it. Uh, tolls, they, they oh. if, if, if someone with a, with your tra a trailer that's assigned to you goes and trips a toll booth somewhere. They're going to hit the, the last truck that they know had that trailer, you know, and so we can prove all that. We can prove that we didn't have that trailer because of GPS. We, we track all the trailer numbers that we have. You know, you just have to look out for yourself because Landstar's policy for doing this is hit the BCO. And if he doesn't squeal, it's taken care of. You know, mm -hmm. if he does squeal, then we'll go back and fix it. And well, the big picture there. It goes to the next point, which Larry always talks about identity, but <clears throat> changing yourself from an employee to a business owner. Business owners have to deal with problems as they come, and there's no room for emotional um, <clears throat> outbursts, right? And so when you come from a company mentality, you just expect things to go a certain way. And it made me think of a friend of mine as a family transmission shop in Pennsylvania and they put a transmission in some woman's minivan and I don't know, something happened. It had a leak or whatever. Well, she didn't call them and say, Hey, I've got a leak. I need you to fix it. She just called the credit card company and reversed a $4,500 transaction that put them in a, in a, in a, in a big spot because you know, now you're in, now you're in credit card dispute land and well, sure. It's, it's so reasonable. Well, why didn't the customer just call them and say, Hey, why don't you fix this? Her, her first thing was, no, I'm going to take all the money away from them. And the credit card company's just like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just yank that back. This is a similar situation. I mean, things are going to happen. Trucks are going to break. Loads are going to cancel. Settlements people are going to make mistakes in every situation. It's how you respond. You know, you look at it and go, Hey, whew, 
wait, that's not right. Get somebody on the phone. Here's all my documentation. Here's what happened. Here's when it happened. Um, and let's, let's fix it, you know, but we, you just roll through the, um, Landstar Facebook groups and just watch the people that are just melting down because business happens to them. Um, Phil's got a great point here. Be sure to make special notations for detention. I've been paid detention on loads over a year after they were delivered. Yep. Um, so we, we will turn a load blue, um, in our spreadsheet if it has detention or is a truck order not used that way it's a visual sign to Larry's he's going back, you know, Hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I need to be paid on that. And that's, you know, spreadsheets are not super complicated. Um, you can watch YouTube videos. You know, I didn't own a computer until I got, I got married, you know, in 2004 and I started playing with them. And I, to this day, I still have a spreadsheet that has every load I did for Schneider in 2007 and 2008, every load number, trailer number, the amount of miles empty and load. I have all that stuff. Why does it matter? No. But if there was a question on my paycheck on Friday, I could go, Hey, here's what it said. Um, and that's a habit that I brought with me. Um, and it, and it, it helped me a lot. Um, but you've got to make notations and these spreadsheets, you can make things red and green and yellow and bright colors and stuff that will catch your eye. So that if you're, if you're trying to go through and, and, and something pops out and it's in a certain collar, Oh, Hey, I, that's something I need to address. Um, because there's pennies laying all over the ground. You just got to reach over and pick them up. Well, um, and, and <clears throat> there's a lot of agents that count on you not pursuing that detention or that truck order not use and um i mean that that's part of the, their tactic is they'll just hold off and see if you notice it if you pursue it you know and then when you do then obviously those things kind of you know they they know you're not going to forget about it so um doesn't mean you're going to get paid because you know how this works if landstar doesn't get paid we don't but if you don't make the effort you're never going to get paid on them you know we get paid on a lot of attention and truck or not using stuff because of the fact that we track it and we don't, uh, you know, every couple of weeks I'll go back through and look at them and we've got one right now from November. We've got one that's been on there for a year. We have one active in the system right now for one year, November of last year. Um, I checked on just last week. It's still in billing. Customer hadn't paid it yet, but it's still, I mean, it's still, it hasn't fallen through the cracks. So, um, but I mean, how many people would have forgotten about that? So we may, we may still get paid for it. Um, we've done everything we're supposed to do. It's just really not this. This is a big customer and this is a $75 detention bill. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, before we get into talking about revenue and, and expenses, um, you've got to have your mind, right? You got to have your perspective, right? And there was a YouTube video last week. I can't, I can't remember the guy's handle or whatever it is, screen name. But he was talking about how he was unhappy with Landstar. And a big part of his issue was he just doesn't understand the big picture. He's too focused on employee stuff. You know, well, the agent should do this and Landstar should do this for the driver, for the driver, for the driver, for the driver. Hey, Hoss. 
you're 15% driver, you're 85% business owner. Take that, that it, and I'm sorry, it's selfish. It's selfish. It's self-centered. Me, 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 me. Um, I don't like how this affected me. I don't know how this affected my hometown. I don't, you're not going to make the big money with that attitude. Your attitude has to be, what can I go do for other people? that makes their lives better, what makes their lives easier, and I will benefit on the back end from that. And so before you get to talking about revenue, you've got to understand that your attitude and your perspective is tied to how much money you're going to make. And so if you come at this with the wrong attitude and the wrong motivation, um, that it's about you and everything is going to be about making you comfortable and everything convenient for you, you're going to do probably half to three quarters of what we can do. And because if you're not doing $10,000 a week right now, you're doing it wrong, you know, and I've got data to back that up, you know, now I've got people doing 85 and I got people doing 10, five and the 85 in the 10, five, the the only difference, it's the same freight, um, same trailer. The only difference is the driver. You know, what, what that driver is willing to do, where they're willing to go, how they're willing to modify their schedule to meet the schedule of the freight is that that's the, the $2,000 difference. And so, um, you know, in this market, God almighty, I mean, y'all, this is the hottest trucking market in history, history. Um, you better get it while the getting's good because the end is drawing nigh. It's just a matter of time before this bubble pops. And when it does, God almighty, you talk about a bloodbath. It's going to be ugly. We will still be in business after it's over. But y'all better get ready. Better buckle up. Cause <clears throat> we'll have a lot of uh, trucks because there'll be a lot of <laughs> trucks for sale. And they won't be expensive like they are right now. Right. <clears throat> okay. So let's talk about revenue generation. All right. You know, um, Larry has taught me a lot about cutting costs, right? And, and um, it's, it's easier to save a dollar than it is to make a dollar because saving a dollar is because of a choice, but you have to spend money to make money. So, you know, the attitude, well, I'll just run more miles, I'll do more loads. Well, that's fine, but you're trading quarters for dollars, right? You're, you're putting out a lot of energy to make more money where if you just make some different decisions, you can spend less and a hundred percent of that goes in your pocket. Um, but we're going to set that to the next step. Um, you need to know your cost. You need to know how much it costs to operate your truck. You need to know, uh, how on the, how much fuel is it going to take? Um, what are your fixed costs and your variable costs? And cause I can tell you right now, Larry Long can tell you, um, I'd say to the penny, how much it costs to operate one of our trucks. Uh, that allows us to know what the floor is. Um, and anything above that's gravy, right? Um, but then you need to have a, a daily rate. You need to have a weekly rate. Everybody is so freaking obsessed with rate per mile. Well, I ain't going to hold one less than five dollars a mile. Okay. And you do a hundred mile load. What did you do? Oh, I made $500. Okay. Congratulations. Um, 
in that same amount of time, you might could have made two thousand dollars. But you, but you're obsessed with with a certain rate per mile that doesn't really mean anything. So we have a daily minimum rate. My daily minimum rate right now for my solo drivers is two thousand dollars, and my minimum daily rate for my team is three thousand dollars. I don't look for loads for my team for less than three thousand. Now, sometimes with my solo guys. I've got to put a 1500 with a 2800, you know, I've got to depending on what what that local market in that they're in will bear. I missed today if we'd have had a stupid RFID tag, I missed a $5700 load for my team that they could have picked up tomorrow and delivered the next day. Do you think I care what the rate per mile was at that point? I mean $5700 in 24 hours? Who the hell cares? It's a big number, but if you don't know or, or have at least some idea of how much money you can make in a week or a day, uh, it keeps you from getting tunnel vision. If I get a load that picks up today and delivers tomorrow and it pays my minimum $2,000, I've only got 11 hours I can drive. I'm limited there. There's only so many miles that I can drive in a period of time. So if I hit my daily minimum, why the hell does it matter what the rate per mile was? Or if two loads together hit my minimum and I do 4,000 in two days, but one load was 1,500 and the other was 2,500, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. But I've got to have that that weekly and daily goal. Um, and then it's much easier to manage home time. Because if you're in the third week of the month and you're saying, okay, well, I, you know, I needed to do $40,000 this month, but it's on week three and I've only made 25. Well, guess what? I ain't going home. I got to hustle, you know? So you, you've got to have a different perspective when looking at loads and, and how to put those loads together. You need to be booking loads in advance. You know, you don't need to be waiting until the day of, um, cause you want to talk about a nightmare. Um, you know, I'm, I'm booking, well, we, we are booking 50 to 60 loads a week right now. Can you imagine what that would be like if I was trying to book those on the day that I needed them? You know, I'm booking three, four, five, six, seven days ahead. And then when I get one booked, I go look for the next one. And everybody's, uh, objection to that is, oh, what are you going to do when a load cancels? I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to solve the first problem first. My load canceled. I need another one. Is there another one? Can I get me to the one that I've already booked? No, it can't. I'm going to have to give that one back and I'm going to have to start over. But you have to be able to solve the problems one at a time. I solved the first one, then the second one, then the third one. Now everything's fine. I put all the fires out. Um, but your ability to earn revenue will be solely tied to your attitude and your perspective. Larry, you got anything to add there? Well, rate per mile is a distraction. Okay. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's information that doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, it, it, people get caught up in that and they lose the big picture. You know, that's the problem here. We're talking about the big picture. The big picture is taking a truck and making it do a half a million dollars in a year. Okay. That's, that's the big picture. 
Now, it, it, what we get per mile doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't. You can only drive 11 hours. You can only drive about 600 miles or so a day. So it, it eliminates loads that are 800 miles. Those don't work. Okay. Uh, it, 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 it lets you concentrate on what's important and that's making money. Um, the, um, the, the stacking loads thing, we get this all the time. Yeah. But what, you know, first of all, here's the real reason people don't stack loads. They don't want the pressure. They don't want to have to perform and have to solve problems and have to do things that require extra effort when I can just book one load. And I think if it takes them all day to unload me, I'm not have any pressure. I'll just get another load. Well, that's fine, but you're going to make half what we make. Okay. Yep. We're in the business. So the business is in business to solve other people's problems at a profit. That's what this is all about. Okay. If you want to just do one load and, and at a time, go back to being a company driver. Okay. Cause that's what they did. That's what they did when, when we, the biggest thing we have to change when we hire somebody is get them to understand that we're going to give you a, a handful of loads so you can plan your clock accordingly. <clears throat> that's how they make, that's how we make the money here. And, uh, if you want to be successful in, in this market, it'd be really, you can be successful in this market doing anything. You could book one load a week and be successful, I guess. But yeah. why would you want to do that when you have a chance to do a half a million dollars per truck? You know, easy. And I'm just talking general freight home on the weekends. We're not talking about Superman here. Everybody we got goes home on the weekend. Okay. And everybody we got does a half a million dollars a year or more. Yep. But we stack loads. And yeah, every once in a while, a load cancels or, or, or more often than that, you get held up for a couple of hours and it puts you behind, but that's where the problem solving comes in. That's why you make the big money is because you're a bit, you have the ability to solve a problem. You know, is it harder? Absolutely. It's harder, you know, but who promised you this would be easy, you know, average, average owner operator in the country, according to ATBS made $67,000 last year. Okay. Average owner operator in this country. I guess that's successful. There are many, many, many company drivers making more than that without all the risk. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to take the risk for $67,000 a year? A, a, a BCO at Landstar doing a half a million dollars a year to uh, revenue. Any idea what they would that what that what they would be making right now? Like <laughs> four money. times that. Okay. So. So now it's time to talk about my least favorite part and Larry's favorite, and that's saving money. Um. <laughs> you know. You don't want to think. We tell people when they come here, listen, you're going to have to lower your expectations of your fellow man, okay? Um, because we don't get a bill from anybody that we don't look at and go through with a magnifying glass, especially if it comes from a TR Petro, because they are going to screw it up. They're going to charge you for stuff they didn't do. They're going to charge you extra time that, you, that they didn't have in it, and then you're going to have to go, no, 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 no. 
And I've seen bills get reduced in half, you know, but if somebody hands you a $1,500 bill and you just pay it because, well, they, they, what they told me, that's what they told me the bill was. You're leaving money on the table. Um, if you don't, it's this fuel mileage thing has always stumped me to a point because, um, I thought my dad was normal growing up, but apparently he's not. My dad checked every tank of gas he's ever bought. He would divide the miles by the number of gallons that he bought. I've watched him do that since I was a little, little kid. Um, and it was always a comp competition, you know, between like him and my grandfather, if they were going to go to the beach, well, who was going to get there faster and who got the best gas mileage, you know? Um, so when I came in, it was just kind of normal. Like, well, you, I tracked my fuel mileage when I was a company driver. Did it matter? No, but I learned pretty quick that a, a good sign of whether your truck's running right or not, is the fuel mileage is good. Um, and that little thing on the dash that says you got 7.2, that's meaningless. That That's an algorithm. Yeah, that, that doesn't have any idea how many uh, gallons of fuel were pumped in to that tank. So if you're not tracking every single tank of fuel, you don't know what your fuel mileage is. So don't tell me it's somewhere between six, five and eight, two. Depending on the wind and depending on the way. Yeah. And well, the way your fuel, it's a number, it's math. It's literally fourth grade math. Divide the miles by the number of gallons you purchased, write it down. Then take five or six of those numbers and average them together over 90 days. And now you have a 90 day fuel mileage, or you could use Kevin's free keyword free fuel gauges app available on Android and, and iOS and put your, your fuelings in there. And it will tell you what your 90 day is and your 30 day is, and you can track your fuel mileage. Then you can look and say, Oh wow. My fuel mileage just went down all of a sudden for, for no reason. Why is that? Is there something wrong with my truck? Do I have a boost leak? Uh, what's, what's the problem? Um, you know, when, when it comes to buying parts, you know, uh, literally just had a truck getting put back together. Uh, our team had them on a great load and they told me the other day, like, Hey, we got a coolant leak. And I'm like, okay, couldn't find anybody. Well, I found one guy, one $160 an hour. I told him he was on drugs. So I'm like, you know what? Y'all have got time. Come out of route, come through hurricane and let Carl look at it and find out if this coolant leak if we can milk it for another week or so. Well, Carl looks at it. He's like, man, you don't, you got to fix this today. Okay. I start calling and, and the Freightliner dealer has the parts. So we went down there and of course we had picked up the, the wrong parts the first time. And then we had to go back and get the right parts. So I'm still don't figure, I still can't figure out how they, they managed to do that. Um, but anytime that you can control where the parts come from, you don't have to deal with the markup. You're much rather better off to get an airbag or a set of brakes or shocks anywhere but the truck stop. But if you just wait until, you know, oh, well, I can't pass my inspection unless I put new brakes on. Well, you're going to pay 30% more for them. Why leave that money on the table? Why not have a plan ahead of time to go pick up the parts or get them on eBay or Amazon or wherever you got to go get them and save however much money that is? Um, there's so many examples 
the toll roads that you run or that you go around, maintenance decisions, fueling decisions, not listening to this this brainless horseshit about avoiding states when it comes to IFTA, you know, learning how IFTA works and making good decisions on where you buy your fuel. Um, there's a thousand decisions that you can make that will put money directly in your pocket simply by making a different decision. So you've made the money. Now you figured out how to save it. You want anything else to saving money? I'm sure you got something. Well, I mean, no, you hit all the high points. The, the thing is just being aware, being aware that you can't control that. Certainly fuel. Fuel is controlled by the driver, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and that's your number one cost. I mean, we preach this, preach this, preach this, preach this, preach this. Uh, because, it, I mean, look, fuel's almost $4 a gallon now. It, it's costing, you know, 800 bucks to fill up a truck right now, okay? A year ago, that was half that, you know? So, if your fuel cost is out of is out of line, um, look, I I got in this business in two thousand nine. Fuel hit for almost five dollars a gallon, and twenty five percent of trucking companies closed the doors in oh nine because of fuel cost. We're knocking on that door right now. It, we're only reason it's not a problem is because of these crazy rates. That's the only reason it's not a problem. All right. But here's the here here again, you can go and make an extra buck, and you'll have your percentage of that dollar, okay? Or you can just save a buck or two on your fuel, and you get all of it. A hundred percent goes back to the bottom line. It it it's phenomenal the difference it makes by controlling your costs and watching your bottom. You know that most trucking companies work on about a two one and a half to two percent uh, operating ratio. We're at 10% because we control our costs. That's a big difference between one and a half percent of gross revenue and 10%. And all we do differently is we control our costs, you know, highly control our costs. And, and all it is, is just paying attention. You don't have, I, can, I tell our guys all the time, you don't have to do sit-ups and push-ups and run a marathon to do this. All you got to do is pay attention. How hard is it to analyze whether or not to take a toll road or go around it? How hard is it to use the app that Landstar gives us for free and figure out where the best place is to buy your fuel? How hard is it to figure out how to get the fuel mileage up on your truck, whether it's the truck or you, and part, most of it's going to be you, okay? Uh, how hard is it to buy a $200 tool and, uh, and teach yourself how to drive for, for fuel mileage? How hard is that? It's not. You know, it's just, well, you know, either you don't understand the impact it has on you or you don't care. Um, either one of those are an issue. Both of them need to be addressed uh, because you're leaving money on the table. Or if you don't care, you won't be around very long. So um, it's just, it's, it's just, first of all, keeping the records. A lot of you don't even know. What's your cost from? I would say the majority of you do not know what your cost per mile is. Okay. A lot of you don't know what your miles per, you think you know your miles per gallon because the little dash thing tells you what it is, but you haven't divided gallons and miles and ages and you don't really have any idea. But those are two numbers that you have to know. It's, it's not optional for you to be in this industry and do not know those two numbers right there. Now, once you get a grip on those, then you can start to improve it. You can start to figure out what it is. You know, hey, I'm driving as perfectly, and I still can't get in fuel mileage. Well, we need to do a smoke test and see if your charger or cooler is leaking. 
Maybe there's a mechanical reason why you're not getting fuel mileage. Could be. But we can fix we can find that and fix it. And then we have to look at you when that didn't fix it. Yeah. <clears throat> Your foot is good for three hundred dollars a week. And the left door. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that one too. Uh let's talk a little bit about equipment. Um you know, one of the one of the many reasons that we're called lunatics is the trucks that we purchase um we don't mess with emissions trucks uh, or well def and scr trucks we 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 do egr um i will put up any 99 to 2007 century or columbia against any truck on the road over a period of time and I will beat you to death with the maintenance savings on that truck. Um, this godforsaken Cascadia that the, the team is driving. You know, Carl literally looked at it 10 days ago, you know, and now it's it's got these coolant lines that run from the block to the def tank, which is what keeps the def warm, I guess, to keep it from freezing. Well, they, they're plastic lines, and they started leaking. And he's like, if these break, it's going to dump everybody you're cooling out, and you're going to be on the side of the road. And these things are like 70 bucks a piece. Um, I don't have those problems with a Century and a Columbia. Centuries and Columbia's can have problems, but nothing like the nightmare that you run into with these new trucks and all of their modules and their computers and you know, and to tell me now that new Freightliners don't even have a fuse panel. You know, it's just, it's it's crazy the risk that you take on. And like Larry said, if you want to, um, if you've got the money and you want to go buy a brand new Kenworth, go ahead, right? Just please don't live with this fantasy that because you're driving a 2021 that you're not going to have problems. That's insane. You you can't look at my well we've got a ninety nine now, you you can't look at our ninety nine and say oh well my twenty twenty one's going to have less problems than ninety nine. Good luck. I wish you the best of luck. Um, you hey. need a piece of equipment that you can afford. Number one, you you have to pay cash for it. My newest client has a two thousand seven Peterbilt with an ISX. Now the great the great story about this was when he came into the system and I did my orientation with him and we hadn't met face to face. We just, you know, he podcast and, and I said, well, we need to get you through here. So Carl can look at your truck. And he goes, okay, man, that's, that's great. Uh, um, you know, I, I had it inspected before I bought it. I had it inspected after I bought it. And then I had a Landstar pre-lease inspection on it. So it should be in pretty good shape. I said, yeah, we'll see. I think he spent about $6,000 on parts so far. Listen, it had leaking wheel seals. It had leaking airlines. It had brake lines that were bad. It had shocks that were bad. The entire exhaust system is rotted on this truck. The, the fan, fan clutch was, was wore out and sticking. Um, and so he brought through here last weekend and Carl did one of his marathon, like 17 hour, uh, episodes on it and i think he yeah he worked on it from 10 a.m sunday till three o'clock monday morning he put a new damper and pittsburgh power damper and bouncer on it he put a turbo on it 
you put um, uh, the fan clutch on it and just did some other stuff. And so the, you know, the guy was here. So Monday morning I went down and took him to breakfast and he sits down in my truck and goes, man, I didn't know car worked like that. And I said, yeah, yeah. Y'all get there and do it with him once in a while. Cause it'll, he'll wear your ass out. But here's a guy that had a truck inspected three times and has easily probably put by the time Carl's done next weekend, he will have put eight or $10,000 in this truck. Now, it's straight. And I asked him today, I'm like, how's your truck run? He's like, dude, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing how, how much better this truck runs now than it did before. So back to lowering your expectations of your fellow man, he took it to three people that were supposedly certified and professional and could tell him if there's anything wrong with this truck that he needed to address. And not a one of them showed him what Carl could do. So, um, <clears throat> You have got to, what's your line about, you're talking about buying a business and you'd look at the, you'd look at the numbers and you said, I'll take the profits. No, you take the revenue and cut it in half, take the expenses and double them. And that's what you would decide on how or not, how to value a business. Same thing with a truck. Mm-hmm. Look at whatever it is, right. And just assume you're going to have to spend t- twice as much as you think you're going to spend on it to get it right. And then go try to pay half of what you think it's worth. And you'll be somewhere in where you ought to be um, because it's hard right now. I mean, trucks are stupid expensive because of the market. Um, but he came in, he paid cash. He had cash. He said in the Landstar orientation, the coordinator said, uh, how many of y'all's got a maintenance savings account? And he was like, and he just looked around. He's the only fool in there at Racy Sand. He's like, none of these people have any money. I said, welcome to Landstar Halls. <laughs> They're one breakdown from being out of Landstar. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, there's a couple of questions that popped up here with has to do with equipment. Here's one. Timothy asks, is an APU worth the investment? Go. Get go. <laughs> well, <clears throat> normally I would say no because they're extremely expensive to maintain, you know. Pain in uh, ass. But. When fuel gets four dollars and five dollars a gallon, that changes the um, changes the uh, equation a little bit. I would never buy one new. Uh, there's a guy. There's two people out in Missouri that have uh, shops where they remanufacture them, and you can get one for half price with a warranty. Uh, if you're going to do one, do that. All right, because uh, now you're spending thirty five hundred bucks instead of eight eight or nine thousand dollars. You did not to, buy a new APU. That's you just have nonsense. to look at you have to look at the return on the investment. It's just a math problem. Okay, if you're going to pay nine grand for it, how many hours do you have to not idle to pay for it? You know, and 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 it's it's years. You know, now like I say, it's changing right now, um, but even then, I, it's questionable. Now, bunk heater, yes, bunk heater, one hundred percent, thousand fifteen hundred bucks, absolutely. Um, but APU, I mean, look, the only time you really, really have to have it is when it's really, really, really hot in June and July, maybe August. Yeah. You know, and if you're sleeping during the day, like I used to, when I used to drive, it's a different story. But if you're sleeping at night, buy yourself some fans and some screens, roll the damn windows down, put the fans in them. And that's a lot cheaper than that APU because it's not just the cost that, that those things are very, 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 
um, maintenance um, dependent. Dependent. And the shops that work on them, oh, there's a bill you definitely want to go over with with a fine tooth comb. Okay, so uh, I I don't it, it, to me it's it's just, it's just a math problem. If you if you're not a candy ass and you can sleep with a fan and a window down, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. It's another diesel engine. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? So, well, um, I serviced. We have one that's got a Thermo King, and I did the service on it the last time. And I've helped Carl change a turbo, and I've helped Carl change a rear axle. And I think I would rather do a turbo and a rear axle than screw around with that stupid APU because you can't get your hands down in there. You got to take the whole damn thing apart just to get the stupid fuel filter. I mean, it was a nightmare. It was two hours to, to change two fuel filters and an oil filter and change the oil. Um, now, if if the fuel, you know, is – is uh, um, you know, it's, it's crazy and, or you'd live in Texas, you know, and air, but like Larry said, it's a math problem. It's not just a blanket. Oh, I need an APU. I don't know. Do you, does the math say you need an APU? Mm -hmm. Then maybe you need an APU, but, um, you know, it, co it costs about a gallon an hour to idle your truck. Okay. Now you also, if you're going to take a 10 hour break, you don't have to idle your truck for 10 hours. Okay. Even if you sleep 10 hours after a couple, after, after one or two o'clock in the morning, it's cool enough to sleep. Just wake up and turn the damn thing off. Okay. You're probably only going to end up idling for three or four hours a night anyway. So it, it, you know, now that when that was two bucks a gallon, that wasn't very much money, but yeah. now even at four bucks a gallon, you're still only talking about 16, 20 bucks a night, you know, um, and then figure out what it costs you to pay for that day. And let me tell you something. It's not just getting your hands down in there that, 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 that truck, I mean, trucks vibrate, that system sits there and just shakes all the time going down the road. So you've got mm -hmm. wire connections that come loose. You've got all this stuff that just, it is a, it is, is a, is a pain in the ass. Okay. Is what it is. Um, I would never pay any, if I buy a truck and it's got an AP on it and they want extra money for it, I'll find another one. Okay. It's not worth one cent to me. And when buying a truck zero matter of fact, sometimes it's a, it's a negative, you know, because if I put a driver in it, he expects it to work. You know, I'd rather just not have it. Mm -hmm. Then he doesn't expect it to work. So I remember a few years back that there was this, you know, massive heat wave, you know, and it was, it was 95 at night and 110 during the day. And I didn't shut my truck off for eight days. Right. But even then I didn't burn enough fuel at that point to offset the cost of the APU. Then I started running the Northeast where everybody, where nobody else wants to be. It don't get hot. And, and if it does get hot up there, it's very, very rare. And you want to talk about some people that will melt. Let it get ninety degrees in Syracuse, New York, and I mean, but you know, they're like, it's the exact opposite of like Southern people when it gets cold. People in Syracuse don't know what to do with ninety-five degree weather. I mean, they're just they're useless. Um, let's see, Nathan. Well, you, you need Nathan. to run up there. That's where the rates are anyway. Right. So just go up northeast and run, and don't worry about the APU. Nathan says, I sold my 2006 Freightliner Century six months ago because it was a POS. 
I now have a 2016 Peterbilt 579 and I'm much happier. Well, for now. Um, but I, I mean, <clears throat> give me that century and let me turn Carl loose on it. And it won't be a POS no more. Well, let me, let me, we get this, we get this lot, Okay. Cause people misunderstand this. I listen, I, if you're an established business owner, and you've got money in the bank. I don't, it doesn't, it, I could care less what you drive. You have to understand our, what we're, who we're preaching to in our market is the first time owner operator buying the first truck. Okay. I would never tell a first time owner operator buying the first truck to buy the truck you have right there ever. Okay. And it's got nothing to do with the Peterbilt or the 579. It, it's, that's the wrong truck for the first time owner operator buying his first truck. Now, I don't know who you are. A, if this is your second truck or third truck or you've been in the business 40 years, that's great. That's not a problem. But a, a person who gets in the business where 90% of the people fail does not need to be in that truck. Okay. And, and if, if yours, if you, I, you should have sold us your 2006 century because I can't find them right now. You got to go yeah. to Russia to find them. Okay. <laughs> so anybody out there has got some and, and want and, and want to sell them, we'll buy them. Okay. But, um, uh, um, you know, it just, our, our market, our audience, well, they're here to learn about how to become successful BCOs, you know, Atlanta started buying their first truck. And, uh, that's when we say this, we're not trying to convince, you know, successful owner operator has been in business for a long time. Look, we got a truck that we drive, we, we operate for a guy that's a 2001 classic. Okay. <laughs> but the guy's not a first, it's not his first truck. Okay. The guy, you know, the guy's successful MD alignment guy. All right. So he can, he can afford to buy whatever he wants. We operate for him, but I wouldn't put that into a guy. I wouldn't sell it to one of our guys as their first truck. It's too much risk. I saw a couple of Carl questions and here's one. When I buy my truck, can I bring it to Carl to get it up to par? You absolutely can. Dr. Bonecutter. Well, go now. Just uh, he will make your wallet squeal. Um, and now, now listen, Carl is but not uh, in, not in the way you're saying it, though. Right? Like, he, he, yeah, his hourly rate is half what you'll pay anywhere else. But right. he won't let shit go that needs to be fixed. Okay, he'll he'll point out the stuff that he'll give you a list, and it's going to have three colors on it: stuff that will put <laughs> you out of service. Yep. Stuff that's going to fail in the next few months. And stuff you need to be planning on when you get the money. Okay. That's how we get it. Yeah. Now it's not, <laughs> you may, you may have to get him to decipher it for you, but, uh, but that's how I've got a decoder. Come, that's how it'll come up. But yeah, you might listen, you might have to make, you might have to call and get an appointment. We've turned him into a rock star. So, and he no longer works at the TA. So you can't just go in there and find him, you know? So, um, but yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll fix you up. Mason says, does Carl fix trailers? Listen, if, if Carl can't fix it, it can't be fixed. Um, that's just, just um, Carl, Carl can fix a space shuttle. Okay. It doesn't matter. So my niece, so you'll love this. My niece just bought a food truck. She went to, uh, she's an amazing chef and she's buying, she's building a taco truck. And so they went out to Washington, D.C., and they bought this thing and brought it back here, and they're getting it ready. And they, she calls me last week, and she's like, hey, can you come over? My headlights aren't working right, and I've got to go get an inspection. And I'm like, 
<clears throat> you know, I don't know that day I was covered up and she lives like literally a mile from where Carl does a lot of his work at the go mart. I said, hang on a minute. I called Carl. I said, Hey, can you look at my niece's food truck? And he was like, yeah. So I told her, I said, drive it over there. And the problem was like, she would turn the, the key on and the lights would go out and she turned the key off lights, whatever. She, she called me about half hour later. She's like, he fixed it with a zip tie. <laughs> I said, don't, don't ever doubt the doctor, you know? Um, you know, Carl's genius is the fact that he doesn't get tunnel vision looking. And that's what I see a big problem with a lot of mechanics is they're so dependent on that computer to tell them what to do. And Carl's not that way. Carl looks over here and then he goes, well, what if it's over there? You know, and you know, I have watched him spend hours and it's, I, I can't do it. It's excruciating to watch him. He'll get a voltmeter. You start chasing some gremlin and he'll get that voltmeter out in hours and he'll back and forth and back and forth and back. And he fixed it. We had an ABS problem on the Volvo and I watched one of the other guys and man, you just send that to the dealer. And Carl looked at him. He's like, what the hell do you think the dealer's going to do with it? But he, you know, another couple hours and he found a broken wire, you know? Um, hey, I want to, I want to interject something here, Chris. Go ahead. We talk about Carl a lot and we, you know, obviously we think a lot of Carl, but listen, if you've got suspension issues or you've got tire wear problems or anything like that, we also have another ACE in the hole in Florida, North Florida. And that's, that's, uh, it, what's he, it's it North Florida MD alignment, North Florida MD alignment. Rocky there he is. He said, hello. He said, hello. Um, yeah. Uh, Rocky's got a Facebook page, right? <clears throat> um, um, but, uh, yeah, if, if, if it's suspension alignment tires, you're trying to figure out a prop. Rocky's your guy. Probably. I mean, Carl can do the, um, Carl can do the bushings and the bearings and all that kind of stuff, but he's not to the level yet. He's not had the MD training that Rocky has Rocky can look at it and tell you exactly what needs to be done. Um, so, and, and tires are expensive. So if you're not getting, you know, 250,000 miles out of a set of steers and 350 or 400 out of a set of drives there, you know, you, you've got a problem. You've got suspension issues that might need to be addressed. So, uh, and, um, you know, Rocky is your man. All right. Uh, if you live out in the West, you know, Kansas city or that area, uh, there's a guy out there named Chad Hone. You've probably heard of him, uh, at, at TNE, um, TNE service. Um, but they're both excellent guys. We, I used to use Chad all the time until we met Rocky, but Rocky's in Jacksonville, Chad's in Kansas, and they're both excellent alignment guys. And when you leave, when you leave your truck drive straight, so, and it won't yeah. wear tires. So. I'm doing a little producing here on the <laughs> right. On the fly. Anybody got a good hood grill and front bumper for a class? That's an inside There you joke. go. There's there's the number. If you want to get in touch with Rocky, 904-495-5756. And uh and he'll get you fixed up. Well, is he is he causing trouble in the comment section? He is, he is. Oh. Yeah, well, the Rocky's truck had an unfortunate accident last week, so Listen, go try to find parts for a 2001 classic. Um, God almighty. Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, did you say Jim at uh, Michigan MD? 
I did not say that, but we have used him, and absolutely, is, is he he also is equally as competent in any type of suspension and uh, driveline tire stuff. We have used him. You know, it's just now that we have three. You know, we 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 used Jim because we bought this '99 up in Michigan, and we needed to get all the work done up there before we bring it on Landstar. So I talked to Jim years ago, met him a, lot, a long time ago at the truck show. And we just never had a chance to go up there and use him because it's a long way from West Virginia to Michigan. But we were there. We used him, did an excellent job. Great guy. Jim Fowler's his name. And, um, mm-hmm. but look up Michigan MD alignment, another great guy, you know. Now I've seen a few of these. Lee made this comment. Uh, says, friend of mine put one of those RV style roof mount AC and heat units on top of his sleeper and runs it with a Honda generator, which also powers an inverter generator. Um, I have seen some of these hillbilly APUs and when they're done right, I, I mean, I've seen some really slick, um, I saw one guy that did a, and he, and it didn't look redneck, you know, it looked really slick. He put in a, a mini split, uh, one of those super high efficiency electric mini splits. And he, um, what's the, what's the other word for that thing? Um, Anyway, it's it's super 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 efficient, but they mounted the interior unit inside the sleeper and um, put the condenser and all that stuff out there and had it, you know, mounted really nice. Um, and, and Lee says he, he's got about four thousand dollars in the whole setup and it does everything an APU would do and extremely quiet. Um, you know, as long as you're not hanging a window unit out the side window or which, of course, I've seen them bolt in the back of the sleeper. Um, I mean, it works if you, if you have the tools Now, I'm not going to spend the money to get somebody to install something like that. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, whatever works, but again, at least we're thinking about it. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at, here's the, here's the cost I need to offset. Um, and here's how much it's going to cost. Um, but if you get, uh, if you get biorea and you just, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go get a brand new, uh, thermo King. Well, you probably going to get what's coming to you. Uh, now how do I get that off of there? But oh. in, in, in response to that, I mean, again, I <clears throat> cutting a hole in the back of the cab sure hurts the resale value of that truck. And for four thousand bucks, you could you could get a re, one of those reman units out there at um, what's it called? Oh, <clears throat> APU Center. APU Center in Stratford, Stratford. Yeah, Stratford, Missouri. Missouri, right behind the TA. Um, somebody, somebody in the comments was complaining about the noise. Um, I used to pull reefer. I mean, you get used to it, you know. So it's that wasn't as big of a deal. I just. You know, the few times that I had an APU is just more trouble than it was worth. I, I never felt like I was really getting um, any value out of it, you know. So, uh, okay. So, let's see. We talked about uh, we talked about accounting. We talked about... <clears throat> Revenue and cost and maintenance. Um, well, let's let's hit IFTA real quick. Just we have done episodes. Go back through the feed, 
If you don't understand IFTA, which is not very complicated, even though, as that one comment said one time, it starts more flights than Budweiser. Um, uh, you need to understand IFTA. Because if you don't understand IFTA, you're not going to buy fuel correctly. You're going to spend more money than you should spend on fuel because you're not looking at the actual cost of the fuel and not taking the tax out of it because the tax has nothing to do with the purchasing decision. Zero. Has we, did no- a, we did a really good episode on this. Go listen to it. It's one of our early episodes. Yeah. The other thing is if you're, if you're at Landstar and you're not getting your IFTA reports, you have to call and request those. Okay. So uh, now once you request them once, then you'll get them. But if you've been at Landstar and you have never seen an IFTA report, that's not unusual. You have to ask. So, um, <clears throat> Well, let's talk taxes a little bit. We, we've done some episodes going kind of in-depth on taxes. Um, and then we'll roll back through the comments, see if we missed anything. Um, you know, the was it sixty five thousand dollars? That's the S corp. If you're if you're going to be a lunatic, it's kind of the threshold is because they're the only one reason to be an S corp. I mean, regardless of what all the late night advertisements say on Sirius XM, there is no legal advantage. There is no there is no barrier for you to protect yourself from a lawsuit because uh, anybody's got any brains is going to sue Landstar and you and Freightliner and everybody else who's got anything to do with that truck. Uh, you're not going to get any business credit because everything you, you're signed for, you're going to sign for personally as a guarantee. So the only reason to do it is for the tax savings. And the tax savings are one half of 15.3 self-employment tax on all profits that are not salary. So the, the threshold is about 65 grand. If your net profit more than 65 grand, you can pay for the S-Corp, you can pay for the tax return every year and still save money in the tax savings at 65 and above. And if you're not making 65 in this business, you probably need to go back and be a company driver anyway. 100%. So you should be an, an LLC with an S-Corp election. That's what you should be. If you're not and you're paying and you're making more than $65,000, you're paying 7.62% more tax on that revenue than you should be. And, and you know, that could be i mean we've you know we see it could be 20 or thirty thousand dollars you know difference in in your in your tax situation so uh you got to pay yourself a salary a reasonable salary is what the irs says uh, but you just want to pay yourself only what's reasonable everything else let come to you in the form of dividends that's where the tax saving comes in you don't have to tax those dividends at 15.3 you tax them at 7.62 so um if you don't understand any of this, get yourself a good CPA who does. Um, and um, you also need probably should be, you know, paying your taxes quarterly. So you're not behind on April 15th. Uh, a good CPA can tell you what that needs to be. First year, it's going to be a guess. But second and beyond, you'll base it on the previous years. And that way you're not having to write a big check on April 15th that you can't write. Um, paying yourself a salary and taxing your income as you, as you pay it uh, will keep you caught up as well for the most part. Um, but, you know, there's, it doesn't, you're not in business if you're not paying taxes. I mean, you're, it, it, that's just a house of cards, you know. 
it's only a matter of time before you're going to get caught, you know, and then you're going to owe all these back taxes and, and, you know, there's no reason for you not to make enough money right now to pay your taxes. <laughs> it's just not any way you right. should be in this situation. You know, um, you have to understand that all that money that you get every week from Landstar is not yours. You know, um, you get to put it in the bank, but it's, uh, if Landstar didn't take 35% of my money, I'd be all right. That's true. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, let's talk about freedom here for a second because, you know, we we have heard a lot of people say, I'll say, well, why do you want to be an owner-operator? Well, I'll, freedom. Freedom from what? Um, because undisciplined freedom can be worse than slavery. Um, <clears throat> if you just don't want somebody telling you what to do, you know, I, I mean, here we are in 2021, I'm 45 years old, and I can't be mandated to do things I don't want to do, right? That's a hot topic these days. Um, <clears throat> why? Why is that? Well, because basically the reason is because my customers don't care. the The people that are really writing the checks that from where my my pay my livelihood comes from, they don't care. They also don't care if I'm sick. They also don't care if my kids are sick or if somebody had a birthday or a funeral or. They don't care about any of that stuff either. They don't care if, if I had to drive through the mountains or the rain or the wind or the snow. They don't care about any of that. So it's, it's, <clears throat> you're moving from freedom from and you're moving to freedom to. You're, you, you're free to do a lot of things, but um, you, you have to have the mindset of a servant and not a slave. Um, and we see a lot of people that they just think like I had a, had a guy email me the other day and was asking about the program and he asked a bunch of questions like, well, can I pick where I want to run? And I'm like, honey, you're asking the wrong questions where you run. What's convenient for you. What you like to do is not a part of the equation. We go where the money is. Now, we don't go to the Long Island in New York City, um, or we don't make anybody go there. We got a guy that, you know, has a lot of experience there that will, that will go into the boroughs occasionally if the money's right, but we don't force anybody to go there. We don't run the West Coast because it's not valuable to us. Now, as a truck driver, if I had my, you know, my perfect thing, I would – I would go from Ohio to Oregon like every week. That would be awesome because I wouldn't have to do shit except listen to audio books and hit two docks a week. Well, that that's a great experience for the driver. Um, but you don't make money that way because you go out there for 10,000 and come back for two, you know? Um, so, uh, and you're, listen, you're not going to find a bigger freedom guy than me. Um, but the first time that I set, at Larry's house in the next room from where he's sitting right now. And we did all the settlements and we did all the payroll. And I saw that big fat number that was going into the payroll account. And I went, Holy crap. That's a, there's a lot of mortgages and car payments and dental bills and light bills. And, you know, so you're not free to just do whatever the hell you want, whenever you want to do it when you're in business. 
you get a lot more influence over the decisions. That's accurate. Um, but when you're, especially when you're an employer, um, and the kind of, uh, responsibility that I see that he carries, um, is, is, is huge. And there's a lot of decisions that we have to make. And some decisions we can't make that are based on making sure that that payroll check clears every week. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's freedom to, it's not freedom from, you know, you, you gotta be free to do a lot of stuff, but if you're building a business and that's, that's the thing that kills me about trucking as opposed to any other business is if it was anything else, I mean, hell, if it was a landscaping business, like there's a switch that goes, okay, I have to do a hundred hours of hard labor this week in order to get paid. And, and if you have, you know, like my niece with this, this taco truck, you know, food costs are huge in a restaurant business. Um, she's going to have a lot of stress, you know, in that. Um, she's free to do a lot of things, but she's not free from a lot of things either. You know, so that you just, you've got to come into being a business owner with your eyes wide open, you know, and, and he, you know, that's, that, that's the, that's what makes this work. You know, my trucking experience is business experience. Uh, it's my business experience. ain't word shit, you know, um, I can teach you how to drive one in the ground. I'm real good at that. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's just, you, you gotta, you gotta know that going in. You hear this, this phrase a lot when you're, people are talking about patriotic things like freedom isn't free. You've heard that comment. <clears throat> oh yeah. That applies more to business than what you normally hear it as. Um, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it in the general context, but here it, 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 to get the freedom, there, there's a lot of responsibilities that you have to take on that you don't have to take on when you're an employee. And, and, uh, and we, we deal with this a lot. We, we, we have a whole two or three hour program on changing your identity and, and, and what, and what we're trying to, what we're trying to explain is that if you're doing this just to get out from having to deal with a dispatcher, or if you're doing this just to be able to decide where you want to drive and when you want to go home, that's, that's, un, that's, that's unrealistic freedom you you'll do more things that you wish you could wouldn't have to have done as an owner operator than you will as an employee as employee because you understand what the circumstances are as an employee if you decide you don't want to do something worst they can do is fire you as an owner operator if you decide you don't want to do certain things like keep track with your cost per mile or buy your fuel right the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to go out of business and be bankrupt with a repossession the big difference between those two you decided you want to take that freedom. Also, you have to take the circumstances that go with that, the consequences that go with that. Um, and, and that's, that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. I'm going to just go buy a truck. You know, Chris has heard me say this a thousand times, but that's not the decision you're really making. The decision is I'm going into business when I buy that truck and everything changes. All this stuff about picking up pennies really matters now. 
You know, you could care less what fuel costs as a company driver because it never came out of your check. You know, if you can cut your fuel costs in half and put that money in the bank, that might be the difference between you making a profit this year or not. You know, um, how many years can you go without making a profit? I don't know. Most people I see can't even go a couple weeks without making a profit. Because <clears throat> the first time their check, their truck breaks down, they're on Facebook going, well, I'm done. So, you know, you have to take this business thing seriously. Everybody that drives a truck, I realize, wants to drive their own truck for those reasons that we talked about. But you have to understand there's a whole lot of responsibilities to go with that. And being irresponsible, which most people do when they get in this business because they sign a lease purchase or they go buy too much truck. You know, you've heard Dave Ramsey say it. Just because you can afford to make the payments doesn't mean you can afford it. That's why the first time it breaks down, people are out of business. I'm done. Even with a warranty. So, you know, this, this business thing is, is not just a sideline. This business thing has to be in place before you make the decision to go buy a truck. And that's why nine out of 10 people who do this for the first time fail because it's not, they don't, it's not in place. They know nothing about it. They don't think it's important. If I told you the number of people that I've talked to that are in business and do not have an accounting system, it would shock you. The number yep. of people that don't really know, I mean, they might give me some bullshit answer but don't have any idea what their cost per mile is. How do you pick a load if you don't know what it costs you to drive your truck a mile? So that's why this is important. That's why we harp on That's what, I mean, we, listen, <laughs> we, we give our guys a dose of this all the time because that's what we're trying to do is change that mentality because that's what they come here for is to grow out of being an, empl an employee into an employer, you know, grow from being a company driver to being a successful business person. And business is business. It doesn't matter if you're driving a truck or selling a hamburger. Business is business. Nothing changes. <clears throat> so that's why this all matters. That's why this whole thing, we're doing it again tonight, is just to remind you that all, you know, and, and I, listen, we had a, a, a really good meeting a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I, I stressed to my guys, I said, look, you know, you guys get bogged down with the daily um, things that happen. You know, you get held up at a dock. You get behind a wreck or something, get held up and your whole world comes crashing down because of something stupid like that, you know, but you got to keep the big, the main thing, the main thing, the big, why'd you do this to begin with? That's what you need to keep in mind. You know, you know, there's a lot of times that you think you're, you're, you're being held up. That's wasted time that doesn't have to be wasted because that'd be a good time to, you know, um, work on your fuel mileage or, there's lots of things you can do besides sit there and bitch about the accident in front of you. Um, and so, uh, it's just, it's just a decision to, um, you know, to, well, it's, it's just an attitude is really all it is. Chris, Chris, ah, there you are. All right. I'm good now. Uh, what mechanical issue would keep you from buying a $10,000 truck? Wrong. Spec wrong. 
Yeah, if it's got the wrong gears, anything, you know, it's got an auto shift. Um, it's got the wrong gears because um, having the wrong gears in the truck is going to um, uh, eat your fuel mileage. Well, you know, I mean, I just ordered a power divider today. It was $2,000. So Carl's labor is going to be another thousand you know so you're looking at about six six grand to change two gear ratios if you had to do that um when we're looking at a truck we want to do a rig dig on it uh we'd like to see some paperwork that the engine has been overhauled and if it's not wrote down it didn't happen so i don't care how many times they say oh we just it's only got a hundred thousand if there's not paperwork it didn't happen um you know, but a, a ten thousand dollar truck. If it is a 07 or older, and it's a Freightliner, Century, or Columbia, or or a ninety nine to 01 Volvo, ten thousand bucks. You really can't go wrong with it. You may have to spend money to get it on the road, but that's if the bones are good, the frame's not bent, not rusted out, not messed up. You know, if if if, if it'd be nice if the cab wasn't ragged out. You know, and if it's and if it's spec right. You know. The, that's the big you, thing how are you going to go wrong with ten thousand dollars okay yeah uh, now you might have to put 30 or 40 in it but look you again how long does it take to make that back if you're if you're a landstar bcr right now and you're not making three or four thousand dollars a week you're screwing off okay so let's say you put 40 in it you know 10 12 weeks that truck's paid for Um, we don't, I, we don't put a lot of thought in $10,000 trucks, you know, if they're not, unless they're just junk, you know, if they're just junk, there's no reason to mess with it, but yeah, it'll start and run. And, and if it passes, heck, if it passes the DOT inspection, that's even better, you know, uh, probably the tires and are going to be junk, you know, and it's going to have a lot of miles on it. it. I wouldn't even worry about the overhaul. I, I would rather have it not overhauled with 10, a $10,000 truck. I'd rather put the overhaul in it myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've learned so much from watching Carl that I would not hesitate. And it's pretty much what we did with Zeke's truck. I would not hesitate to acquire a, a truck for 10,000 or less and then put it on jack stands and do bushings and brakes and shocks and, um, you know, the, do the upgrades, the Pittsburgh power stuff, the manifold, the damper balancer. We have a guy in our program that is a former Detroit mechanic. Was what, 20 years? Was a Detroit guy? Uh, 20 or 30. Huh? Yeah, long time. And he bought a lunatic truck not long ago in the last year. And he put a bull gear in it. And he has just about convinced me that if you are going to get a truck that's a Detroit and you can't prove with paperwork that the bull gear has been done in the last 10,000 miles, then it should be done. You're looking at about $4,500 um, to do it before it breaks because you know, the bull gear, if you don't know what the bull gear is real quick, the bull gear is a big gear on the front of the motor that drives all of the accessories. 
So the crank drives the bull gear, the bull gear drives the cam, it drives the gear that turns the air compressor and the fuel pump, the gear that turns the uh, alternator and the water pump. Well, if you were just replace the bull gear before it breaks, you're just taking the bull gear off, putting the bull gear back on, and everything else stays. If the bull gear goes, it junks every one of those. And there's about $6,000 worth of gears in the front of that engine that that bull gear can destroy. Uh, and the bull gear itself is what? 1200 bucks, yeah. Something, yeah. you know, it's the labor getting to it because you got to take the whole front end off to get to it. So it's more labor than it is parts. But, um, you know, he he's convinced me that uh, a bull gear is as necessary as anything else. Um, and then if you have to end frame it, all you're doing is pulling the head off and cylinder kits and put a new head on it. And, you know, and your bull gear is good. The bull gear is good for 750,000. Uh, but we wiped up the, the, the bull gear went out on the Volvo and it, it jumped, uh, most of those gears and it was $10,000 to fix. So I would definitely do that. Um, but seeing now that, you know, like the hubs, the, the front hubs, all the, well, you buy one at Freightliner, it comes with new lug studs and new bearings and, and it's literally take it off and put a new wheel seal in and slide it on there and torque it down properly and it was like 280 bucks for a, for a hub. Well, hell yeah, all day long. So stuff like that, you can be on the front end where you're in complete control of the cost because you can search around and find those parts, get them the cheapest, find somebody like Carl to put them in, you know, somebody that'll charge you 80 to hundred bucks an hour. Um, you know, and you bring them a $10,000 labor job, they're not going to nickel and dime you. You're going to get a lot more for that money. You know what I mean? Whereas if you have to start doing each one of these things and you've got to take the wheels and stuff off of it four or five times to fix stuff, well, you're going to spend a lot more money in the long run than if you found someone and said, look, I've gathered up all the parts. I will pay you $6,000 to rehab this truck in the next two weeks or 10000 or whatever it is, you know. Um, you're going to get a lot of a lot better deal for your money, and the first six months of operating your truck is going to go a lot smoother because you've replaced a lot of the stuff that can be those little nickel and dime stuff that can that can wear you out in the first few weeks. So um, that would be that would be how I would go about it. Um, Wiring harnesses. Oh yeah, yeah. Hell, who would ever thought that? You can buy these wiring harnesses for these freight harnesses for like 300 bucks, like the interface harness, the engine harness, the injector harness. Um, you know, you're better off to replace all the wiring harnesses when you're, when you're starting out because you're yeah. going to replace them all anyway. Mm -hmm. it, Fuel lines. Yeah. Anything Fuel lines, brake lines, rubber, you're going to be replaced. Uh, but as far as your question goes, there's nothing, a mechanical issue that would keep me from doing it. It would just be whether or not it's spec properly once I got it fixed, you know. Um, and we've we've pretty much said as long as the frame stays intact, there's really nothing that can't be fixed on the truck. Everything else can be replaced. Yeah, and if you got Carl, you can find anything that needs to be fixed. You know. Uh, let me hit this one real quick. Um, I'm a company driver in Texas for 20 years, pulling RGN flatbed. Not too much experience in OTR. Uh, does Landstar hire drivers with no experience? Well, Landstar doesn't hire drivers. Um, 
it's a hundred percent owner operator. Um, if you were pulling, uh, RGN in Texas for 20 years, you probably were going more than 350 miles a day. The only kicker will be if you were not in a sleeper truck. If you were doing that in a day cab, it's going to be hard to get qualified with Landstar. But if you do more than 350 miles a day and you're in a sleeper, you could probably get qualified with Landstar. But in order to come to Landstar, you have to have a truck or you have to drive for somebody that has one like us. Uh, <clears throat> well, let's hit this one. George says, I'm in the process of joining Landstar. Your podcast has been helpful to me to be successful in this business. Well, thank you, George. We wish you the best of luck. And uh, go hit us up on the website. We've got a mentoring coaching program that we can help you. Um, just go click on the uh, mentoring tab, and we can explain all that to you. Well, I believe that's about it. Let me check. I got a note here. Let me double check my note. Make sure there wasn't anything else that I left out. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, you got anything else you wanna you wanna hit? No, I think we're fine. Um... You know, uh, just understand all this business knowledge can be, can be acquired. You know, it, it, it you can find it and, uh, the better you are in business, the more likely it is you're going to make it here. Um, because you have to understand, <clears throat> you have to understand that, uh, <clears throat> you can, um, you can work harder and you can make more money, but that doesn't mean you get to keep it all because you have costs of doing that. You know, you've got the fuel, you've got your time, you've got, we're in here on the truck, you know, uh, it's much, it's much easier to cut your cost than it is to, to go make another dollar. And, um, and cutting your costs is just decisions. That's all it is being aware of what they are. You know, we've had this, we've heard this saying a long time ago, performance measured performance improves. Just knowing the numbers will get you conscious of them to where you start then to automatically second nature do things to cut it. It's kind of like fuel mileage. Once you start measuring it, it becomes a contest. How do I improve it? You know, but if you never measure it, you just don't know. So the thing about, about accounting, about book, booking, book, uh, bookkeeping is just get in the habit of getting the records, keeping the record. That's where it starts. Start with keeping the records, organize the records, then accounting. All that does is just analyze the records. And, and you, you can, can do that as a company driver. Yes, you can create the habit now. Then when you become an owner operator, it's done. You know, I look, I know we have people in our program right now that aren't doing that. Why? You have access to every single data point, every freight bill, every fuel receipt, every maintenance receipt, 100% access. The only thing hard guys can't access is the payroll. Like they, they can't access the money. They can't write comp checks. That's it. They have access to everything else. Why they would come into this program and not be soaking up that opportunity to create those habits is beyond me. But we give them the opportunity. We tell them to do it. If they do it, they do it. If they don't, they don't. Um, Which is why we're having this guest next week. <laughs> yeah. She's going to have a field day with some of y'all. Uh, really looking forward to that. Let me go ahead and uh, I'm just going to promo that one more time that's going to be december 6th 
at uh, 2100 Eastern Time, learning how to learn with special guest, special guest Carrie Baldwin. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm a big Carrie Baldwin fan. And she's all over YouTube. She's on all kinds of podcasts, talking about all kinds of stuff. She's brilliant and uh, fascinating. So, well, I think we've done about all the damage we can do for one night. Um, that's pretty much it. We'll see y'all next Monday at 9 p.m. with uh, Miss Carrie Baldwin. And until then, everybody be cool, be safe. We'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>